0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky of the Lakers moved on to a new way of team building that will serve them better in the long term. That's next. You are locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everyone for making Lockdown Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free and never locked behind a paywall. And Lockdown Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to hang out with over uh, 20,000, get near 21,000 subscribers to the channel. Been really active and helpful in terms of answering questions and polls and all kinds of stuff. We're going to wrap some of, the, uh, some of the, the, the input we got around winning time uh, into today's episode, um, and that was a, a question put out there, of course, winning time not picked up for a third season, much to the disappointment of many Lakers fans. Um, didn't get to the topic about intriguing teams in the Western Conference that I want to uh, talk about that I did for TV last week. Um, but let's start here, Andy. We we did um, all of Monday's show, right, about Jared Vanderbilt, basically. Yeah, A little more yep. reaction to that. And one of the things that we kind of didn't get to that I think is is sort of important, is not just what Vanderbilt like literally does for the team. A um, couple interesting comments about whether or not the Lakers overpaid, underpaid, uh, whether that contract will look cheap or expensive in a couple of years. And we, we got into a lot of the nuances of that. But the part that I th- thought was really interesting was the fact that they gave him the extension as quickly as they did uh, at a number that, you know, You could argue that if the Lakers waited, they might not have had to pay as much. Maybe. They might have had to pay more, but maybe not. But they went ahead and did it. And whereas for the first like last like five years, it seems like everything has been built around flexibility in cap space, always open cap space, always preserving a year out, two years out, whatever it might be. The Lakers seem to have moved much more into a um, a mode where they are far less concerned about empty cap space and are instead populating the roster with flexible, appealing contracts and players. Um, I, I'm I'm interested how you think that serves them long term, even relative to the strategy they've they've had in terms of flexibility in terms of agility, the ability to improve the team? Well, I mean, to begin, I, th-
1: I think it gives them a, a better team immediately now. You know what you no have. And when you're dealing with LeBron entering his 21st season, 39 years old, a zillion miles on the odometer, you don't really have the luxury of, you know, figuring out what you may have down the road or, you know, kicking the can down the road even a little bit mid-season. You know, they the Lakers had had the potential optionality of bringing back Mo Bamba, bringing back Malik Beasley, really just as, um, really just to have them as potential contracts to move. You know, like just just to have them as expiring. They could have been operating as a team um, above the cap, like certain flexibilities that would have come from there. I like what they did better, which is basically we are going to perhaps cut down on a certain amount of flexibility that would come in expiring contracts, but we're going to give ourselves a better team now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's again, really important, especially when you take into account where LeBron is. The other thing though, when you, when you mentioned how this used to be defined their flexibility purely in how quickly can you create cap space? You know, like can, can you create cap space to bring in that star and this was something, by the way, that wasn't exclusive to Rob Palinka. This was something that Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak used to do all the time. And frankly, something that used to drive me nuts right. when they were doing it.
0: Right. The idea that you you do not acquire players, you do not sign guys. If you have a date, if you have, you know, you line up all of your contracts so everybody is off the books in two years, one year, right. whatever it might be. And that's how you organize that's sort of the organizing principle. Uh, of your of your roster building. Right,
1: and you're never truly building teams as much as you are situating yourself for something better. Right. And beyond the fact that I think the way the new CBA is, is laid out, I don't think that strategy works as well. And you can see it by the way teams around the league just aren't valuing potential cap space the way they used to. But also, and this was a trap that I thought both Jim and Mitch used to fall into, and I think Rob Palenka used to fall into for a while, when you value that type of flexibility so much, like it's the thing that you're always coveting, it actually creates inflexibility in the way you can go about building teams. You, you actually cut off a lot of options because you're so obsessed with preserving future cap space that may bring you the players that you're looking for, but it may not. Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, there were opportunity costs along the way in terms of the guys that you could have put around your stars in that moment that maybe aren't as shiny or big name but could have provided more help than just the stopgap guys that are always on one right. maybe two year deals so i i just like this better you know i this was something i complained about again with Mitch and Jim 10 years
0: ago much less Rob Polinka 2 years ago it's one of those deals where like what always bugged me is and well, you know, just sort of keeping it in the Palenka era is it shows like, a, a, whether intentionally or not. And I think the, the, the motivation behind this, when we say, you know, players, this is all, what we're talking about is the big star, you know, that you're going to go out and sign in free agency that year. You know, Carmelo Anthony is a free agent. LaMarcus Aldridge, LaMarcus is a free agent. You know, it's, it's, it's Kyrie Irving. It's whoever it might be. Um, and, you know, so you it, it reflects the the obvious star bleeper mentality that the Lakers have always had. It reflects at a time, you know, for a long time, the idea of like you just stack your team with stars and you figure it out later. That seems to be shifting uh, in, in a way that I find interesting and, you know, actually will become relevant in our next conversation here about Western Conference teams that we find intriguing. Um, but it it shows an incredible lack of creativity you know i sometimes i always felt like the lakers felt obligated to sort of behave that way where like because it it's what you're supposed to do you're the lakers you're always supposed to make yourself central to that we're going to get the next star guy we're going to recruit the next star except that guys if they they're going to come anyway and if you if they really want to get here they'll you can make these things happen and so the lack of creativity is really what bugged me cuz like you say andy you lock yourself into one way of doing things, and it's almost as if you don't have the faith that you could make options B or C work if you needed to. Well, it's also too. I mean, it, it reflects
1: often a lack of imagination. It reflects, mm-hmm. in some respects, a, an unwillingness to kind of do the work that comes with the job. Like you know, a lot of the you know finer details and things like that. And you know, one of the things that I've been very happy about with you know the last 9 to 12 months with Rob Polinka is he's looking much more like a details guy and mm-hmm. you know when it comes to building an entire roster from top to bottom those details matter and it just again you can if you value cap flexibility so much that you're willing to push aside all other options because you really don't you're you're that concerned about next offseason the cap space it becomes inflexible like in a lot of ways, you are just as inflexible with your options than if you had a bunch of guys under contract for three to four years.
0: Yeah. So this, 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 this part of it, there's one more thing I want to say about this that I, and we'll get to these Western Conference teams here that I think is is really important because this strategy though only works if you can accomplish um, you know, the way the Lakers are doing it, if if you can actually kind of accomplish a very specific and important thing and i think the lakers have and i'll explain next. Locked on Lakers
1: brought to you by FanDuel and you can celebrate this NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel America's number one sportsbook right now new customers can bet just $5 and you get 200 back in bonus bets guaranteed and you can use those bonus bets on spreads on player props over/unders futures all sorts of different options and all customers who bet again just five dollars you get a hundred bucks off nfl sunday ticket from youtube and youtube tv and right now is the best time to join fanduel the app really easy to use great user experience all these different options right at your fingertips makes it really really fun so visit fanduel.com slash locked on kick off the nfl season with an offer you don't want to miss fanduel official partner of
0: the nfl So, um, get to these this other list and uh, some of your comments about winning time before the end of the show. But the strategy the Lakers are doing, which is not, you know building really building out a team, granted LeBron, you don't know the future there. but other than LeBron, you know, the core of this team is pretty well locked in for the next two or three seasons. I guess D'Lo is a, a question mark there. but, um, it's. I, I still don't buy the idea that he's just automatically out the door. Um, you know, you got a lot of players on this team that are committed contractually for a few years, and I love it. I love the way this. is. I think this is the kind of flexibility that actually does play really well in the modern NBA, where you can have your cake, a good team, and eat it too. Trade guys if you need to. Uh, you have components or whatever. It requires a couple things. You have to have play. You know, you have to have contracts that are across the board um, which they do they've got guys at the you know 10 million dollar level 12 16 17 you know all the way up uh, to your max players but you also have to sign good players and you know young players and avoid albatross type contracts where you have to throw in stuff if you want to make that deal work the lakers whether you're talking about you know Rui Hachimura, or Jared Vanderbilt, or certainly Austin Reeves with that contract, Um, and and you know where where they're set up, like they don't have to do that. Gabe Vincent is not a contract that is going to be problematic to try. Like they've got appealing players under good contracts that are young that are talented that have established themselves in the NBA. So they've really managed to check all the boxes for both current competitiveness and future flexibility in ways that they just seemed unwilling to try a few years back. But it doesn't work if you pick the wrong players. Well, I I I mean, it doesn't deserve credit for that.
1: Well, it also doesn't work if guys like Hachimura and Reeves and Gabe Vincent, who Are seemingly, you know, at least in their time with the Lakers this past season, or in the case of Gabe Vincent, his playoff showing in Miami, that they're on the upswing and they continue that growth. Because if, say, Hachimura reverts to some of what we saw with the Wizards, or Gabe Vincent, that shot doesn't hold from the playoffs, I agree with you that they're not onerous contracts. Like they're not, you don't look at those and be like, oh my God, that is an untradeable deal but they wouldn't necessarily have a ton of
0: value. Sure. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, I mean, look, you're right. Guys have to play to expectations and right. I have been taking a lot of flack this summer for not being as like instantly and committedly sold on how Hachimura is going to perform relative to that deal, but I still think it's a reasonable It contract. is a
1: reasonable deal, but it's reasonable the idea of it being reasonable is in conjunction with he takes what he did with the Lakers and builds on it. I'm very confident that that is what Rui is going to do because I think he fits extremely well with this team, with their Mm -hmm. stars. You know, we've talked about before, would Rui play as well as he did with the Lakers on every other team in the league? I don't know. I also don't care. Right. Like what matters to me is how he plays with the Lakers. If his next team was the bulls and he was bad there. Well, that's Chicago's problem. That's not my problem. Right. As somebody who covers and roots for the Lakers, I don't care. But like, <laughs> I, I don't. No, <laughs> sure. I mean, other than Rui, seems should like, you? Right, other than Rui, seems like a really you know high quality guy. I'd like to that is a nice locked on Bulls
0: problem, not a exactly. lock on Lakers problem.
1: Exactly. But like Reeves and Vincent and Rui and you know I I would even include D'Lo in this. And eventually, when the extension kicks in, Vanderbilt, they all need to play at a certain level and to keep improving or at the very least, no regression. right? Because then otherwise, like I said, the contracts don't become albatrosses, but they don't necessarily have a ton of value. And you probably get to a place where
0: you do have to include picks. You do yeah, have to I include mean, That's, fair. that's sweetener. Fair. They've made, we don't know, but they've made quality bets that don't that that come with about as low of risk as you can no argument um in 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 this environment Um, and so i think that that is um it's noteworthy and it's vanderbilt represents in addition to be just kind of an intriguing player as a type um you know both as literally and kind of figuratively how you how you project him out for three years um, like we talked about on Monday. He also represents, I think, the the last move of the summer in a real shift for how the Lakers operate that um, I will serve them well. So last week, Andy, I did um, Spectrum Sportsnet. I know you're going to be on this week for uh, people who are in LA. Tune in Thursday night to watch Andy on television. Um, and so we do their studio shows. You know, we're in there a couple times a month each. And um, I was asked a question, uh, which... West, uh, which NBA teams do I find most intriguing after sort of playing out through the summer? Um, I stuck to the West because that's just kind of where my interest is. But I, I wanted to kind of get your reaction to my top five. Um, they're not super in order until you get to number one. So I went Nuggets at five, Thunder at four, Grizzlies at three, Warriors at two, and I'll hold on to the one here for a second. Um, any of those teams to you, whether you're talking, you know, again, Nuggets, I said Nuggets, Thunder, Grizzlies, Warriors, as like the first four that I mentioned. Among those, were there any that pop out to you as like, okay, yeah, that's a team I'm kind of intrigued by as well? Uh, OKC and the Grizzlies with mm-hmm. OKC number one, because I was thinking about this
1: truly in what I consider the most literal definition of intriguing. And OKC is a team that seems like they are moving in the right direction. Mm. Shea Gilgis Alexander looks like an MVP level player. And depending on how ready Chet Holgram is to play a full NBA slate and play at the level that the Thunder thought he was at when they took him, it was second overall, correct? Something like that. The board Thunder board. to me feel like they could be the Grizzlies of a couple of years ago, uh-huh. where they take a leap where it's like, oh crap, like this team is ready. Like they are actually ready to do some damage. They were already in the second half of last year, a tough out. And, you know, they ultimately didn't make the playoffs, but they were a team that if they had had maybe another three weeks of the season, they might have been able to play their way out of the play in <laughs> altogether. Um, so they were my number one and I just, I really like the, the thunder are a really well-run organization in that they've been that way since their inception. I remember covering the thunder, um, during that 2010 series against the Lakers. I actually went to OKC and got, we were working at ESPN at the time. I got assigned the thunder as my team. So I spent a lot of time around them and. Super impressed, and I remember Kobe after that series, which the Lakers won in six. Kobe being like, "It's good that we're beating these guys now because yeah, I was at I guess I
0: was at that game six, or, yeah, and and um, yeah, it was and then you know Memphis clearly, like that was a tight series, yeah. Memphis, you know, both seeing
1: how they're going to play without Jaw, and then seeing how Jaw gets reintegrated back into the mix and sort of his future with the team." Is really intriguing. And then another one I had, not even necessarily because I consider them high in the playoff mix or anything, but just they're intriguing, like, what What is that? What's going to happen with them is the Wolves. Because Hmm. if it's not working, I don't know what they do because they're not going to trade Anthony Edwards. I don't think they can trade Gobert. Right, because they so, gave
0: up all the stuff you'd need to trade Gobert. They gave up to get Gobert, right? And then you start getting
1: into: Do you want to move Carl Anthony Towns? Like you may have to move him, but I don't know if the shine is still on him the way it used to be, even though he's obviously a really
0: good player. So I find them intriguing. Yeah. Um, when let's take a break and then let's come back because y- you are. I-, I think the Thunder is. Such a great answer, and I, I'm, I'm right there with you on Memphis because I, and the, the the contrast between those two teams, and then I want to talk about my number one, and we'll do the waiting time stuff after, so we'll do that next. Locked
1: on Lakers is brought to you by Jace Medical, and if the last few years with the pandemic, various natural disasters, other unforeseen emergencies have taught us anything, it's that you got to expect the unexpected. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones when it feels like the world's gone sideways, and that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case Jace Case offers five life saving antibiotics for emergency use, gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping you have access to medication during an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have that medication in hand. Jace Medical simple, they handle everything from the online evaluation, really easy. I've done it to yep. license pharmacy medication delivery to ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. And you can save more than 360 bucks by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional 20 bucks off using the code locked on at the checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com promo code
0: locked on. So uh OKC I, I know I've I think I've mentioned this a couple of times our friends at the uh FanDuel Sportsbook have OKC at uh plus 8,500 to win a title this year. And I don't think that's going to happen, but I would absolutely put a hundred bucks on the Thunder at 85 to one before I would put a hundred bucks on Minnesota at 80 to one, the Hawks at 75 to one, the Knicks at 55 to one, the Pelicans at 47 to one, the Mavericks at 24 to one. I, I just feel like, you know, if you are if you're looking for a team that can make that leap, it's it's the thunder. And then like you say, the Memphis comparison is great because um I don't know what the Grizzlies are. Like, what does Ja look like when he comes back? Is he the same dude? Uh, because he's immensely talented. And now he's got a guy like you know, Marcus Smart next to him, which I think will be very beneficial nobody, I think, had their reputation damaged more by the World Cup than Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, Nobody on that team. And so what does that look like when he comes back? And and so it's like, that's still a really good team that I think is being written off because Jaws going to miss time and all that stuff, but it shouldn't be. And I think they're really well coached. Um, I didn't put the Lakers in on my list. I could have, but I didn't. And I, I was asked about that. I'm curious if you agree. I am obviously really excited about this season. But in terms of like that intrigue that like what are we looking at here kind of thing. I actually feel like the Lakers are pretty straightforward. Like we saw it in the playoffs last year. They got I, mean, I think I kind of know what this team's going to look like and if they stay healthy, I think they're going to be very good. So, I left them off my list for that reason in the sense that I I think I have a pretty good feel for what they are as good as you can in mid September. Um, for any team that hasn't actually played yet
1: yeah the biggest amount of intrigue with the lakers i guess is can lebron and ad stay healthy and just does lebron at some point this season reach that place where his body stops cooperating because 21 seasons 39 years old exactly like even lebron starts becoming human by nba player standards but i agree with you and insofar as how do the pieces fit? What does it look like? I think we have a really good idea. The new guys that matter, Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, Christian Wood. Even with the questions that surround Christian Wood, it is not difficult to, to imagine what it looks like. And all three of those guys have been in the NBA long enough with prominent enough roles that you know who they are as players. Yeah. So I, I agree
0: with you. The Lakers, I think, are really exciting intriguing is not the word it's, i'd right, use. it's a different word and so yeah. and it's funny like i i put the suns at number one and it's in part because a lot of variance between what this could be the high end of what the suns is, is terrifying you know for a lot of teams but i also think they're intriguing because in a time where people are seem to be doing more what like the lakers are doing stars matter we got to have the right ones and you have them you keep them but team building continuity all this stuff the Suns are doing it the old way, you know, you know of, of a few seasons ago. It's like, no, we're going to assemble the Avengers, and duct tape together the rest of a roster and see what happens. And I just think that's that's kind of interesting. I, yeah, I'm the, intrigued
1: by this experiment. The comparison I've made is, you know, their new owner Matt Ishbia, who clearly likes to, you know, announce his presence um, and you know, kind of be the the swinging manhood in the room, so to speak. Like he reminds me a lot. You know how all those those steakhouses in Texas where it's like a 72 ounce ribeye. <laughs> right. And if you <laughs> eat the thing in under an hour, you get it for free. Matt Ishbia to me feels like the guy. That's the meal he orders every single <laughs> night. Like he orders that seven nights a week. And it doesn't matter if he can't
0: finish it because nope. he can afford it, right? But exactly.
1: like, this is how Matt Ishbia eats. Like every night is a seventy-two ounce. Yeah, stay. I mean they're doing if, some.
0: If you're interested, if you're interested in media, for example, like how T local teams, like they're doing some really interesting stuff. Like he is a big thinker. There's no question, and he's he's taking some big swings there. I just that they are doing it differently there at a time where the the, the league seems to be shifting. And it could work out really well, or it could be a disaster. Um, even though I think they had a pretty good off-season, given what they had to work with. Yeah. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to mention winning time, because I know, I, I, I will confess, I watched a couple episodes last year when we were sort of trying to figure out, or season one, we are trying to sort of like just content, <laughs> like, you know, something to talk about. And then I stopped. And I don't know if you're like me with TV Andy but like once you start a show if you don't get through it I almost I have a lot of trouble picking it back up and so se- season 2 haven't seen an episode but um I know a lot of people you included have been following it closely or disappointed by the uh the cancellation. Yeah, I mean it's in part because we know Jeff Perlman the the author of the books that
1: you know Winning Time has been based on and there have been hopes that you know his books cuz he's written a lot about the Lakers including the Kobe Shaq years mm-hmm. could be the blueprint for other seasons of winning time Jeff's a friend of the show you know we both have a lot of respect for him and you know there've been a, actually we've learned that there are a few people who work on winning time who are aware of us and fans of us um so we've heard from them so you know it's disappear- it's disappointing to see you know that take place um you know it's funny i was watching the the final episode, which ends with the Lakers losing in the 1984 finals game seven to Boston. And, you know, it's a game. We all know how it turns out. Cause it happened almost 40 years ago, but <laughs> spoiler da- alert. Okay. But down the stretch of this game, like there I'm watching this scene and the Lakers have mounted this furious comeback, like in the last five minutes of this game seven. And p- people remember this, you know, this became part of what, you know, created the tragic Johnson headlines, But Magic turns the ball over. It ends up going to Dennis Smith. I mean, excuse me, Dennis Johnson, who's streaking down court on a breakaway. Michael Cooper swoops in for a block, and he gets called for a foul. And I get mad as I'm watching this. Like I'm like, that is BS, even though A it's a reenactment of a game that happened nearly 40 years ago, not the actual game. And B it's also a reenactment that if I'm being honest of a game that I've never actually seen much (laughs) memory of, like I, I don't actually know whether because you
0: were like nine years old and living in St. Louis when this game happened.
1: I don't know if, if like coop actually had a clean block or not. I just know I'm watching the Lakers trying to win a title and it, pisses me off that it feels like it's being taken from them yeah. um like the show one of the things I really enjoyed about the casting was just incredible like the actors top to bottom were so good like you know there's the big names but like how they managed to find Quincy Isaiah blade magic who'd basically done nothing to this point like if you look at his IMDb page right he's a couple credits and that's it like he Nails, not just magic's mannerisms and voice, but like the swag, the charisma, but still can convey insecurities magic has. How they found Solomon Hughes, who had quite literally done nothing to that point. This guy who could be convincingly Kareem. Sean Patrick Small, who plays Larry Bird. Like another guy whose resume is mostly like shorts and stuff like that. He's incredible. Like he makes Mm -hmm. Bird's cockiness but also like this darkness inside him feel real. Devon Nixon is incredible playing his dad, Norm Hadley Robinson's really good as Genie, And I just, I thought season two got better as it went along. Like season one, I think struck some people as more purely entertaining, like at its heights, but I thought it had more lows. I thought it often felt wild and outrageous, like, For the the sake sake. of it or yeah, I I
0: didn't love the first couple episodes. I'm not like if you
1: got them mad enough, though then it must it must be great because they don't like it. Right. And I felt like season I I didn't like how it was constantly breaking the fourth wall, which is something I like Adam McKay, but I think he does it too much. I thought some of the inaccuracies were unnecessary. Um, but season two, I thought just settled into storytelling. And I thought it was really Mm -hmm. good. And I again sorry to see it go, but we asked the question on the YouTube page, the community section, what what eras or seasons would you like to have seen if this kept going? Um, Read some of the responses from people from Ty Johnson, 3111. Definitely up to Magic's retirement. Need to see the shift in power from Cap to Magic. Also, one more episode for that Magic's return and then a Kobe Shack sighting from uh, our buddy Marcel, I believe in the Netherlands. I love this show and there's so much that could have been dramatized. At least two more seasons few Kobe Shaq years also curious about the 2011 playoff run. The, this is going to be fun season. Kobe's farewell tour <laughs> that would be 2020 um, from David uh, Togawa six one seven two. I would have liked to seen Pat Riley guaranteed the back to back all the way through the Shaq Kobe three-peat era. Um, another from Ursula major 2000 wanting to see magic's retirement and the comeback in the all-star game. Um, I thought about this and it, it's funny. Like, I think for most people, Brian, like the the obvious answer is going to be Kobe Shaq. That's actually probably my lowest on my list for a couple reasons. First of all, it's just been covered so heavily. But also I think like the odds of finding two unknown actors who can nail Kobe and Shaq
0: as well as Quincy Isaiah and Solomon Hughes did. Like never say never, but Shaq Shaq's a tough cast. Like that's it, like it's a tough one. These think- guys who can play Shaq, like just physically can play Shaq. Don't aren't just like right walking up and down Hollywood Boulevard. And Kobe, especially too, because the memories of him are
1: more recent. Yep. I think that's a really, really tough casting call. The two eras that pop to mind for me, I would love to see in between Magic's retirement because you get more of Quincy Isaiah, who's just – he's so good on this show. Magic's retirement up to the offseason where you are drafting Kobe and trading for Shaq, but you see, like, that period where the Lakers are thrown into turmoil because of Magic's unexpected retirement. You also get his attempted comeback and the coaching and all that stuff. But, like, seeing the Lakers in this period they're not used to, which is not winning – but also you get like the Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel, right. Vladdy. The other part I think would have been really fascinating is Kobe's post-Kobe retirement up to Anthony Davis's arrival. Because mm. then you really start getting into the bus sibling right. dynamic. You get the turmoil of Magic taking over the organization, which yeah. means more Quincy Isaiah, age him up, you know, add a few pounds. But he can be Magic.
0: Plus, after all the jokes and all the memes... Rob Lowe gets to play Rob Palenka. I agree with you. And I will say this though, I was because I was thinking obviously about Kobe as well. And I I, I, I don't need to see more Shaq Kobe. But I, I do think that it would have been a really interesting challenge to play Kobe because you know the the memories now are sort of softening Kobe like the last three or four years of his career where he was different, it was just a different guy. And then obviously post career, and then when he really softened up a little bit in terms of you know just sort of the, the letting people see the person, and then obviously you know his his death, but like Kobe in two thousand and pick a year, really different dude. Like and and like the you know the the covering like playing that character in a way that perhaps accurately reflects. You know, kind of both what people thought about him, and and the you know, it would it would have been an interesting challenge. So I agree with you from an era's standpoint. It's the one of the least interesting to me, um, but from a casting and writing and acting standpoint, just that role would have been really uh, a, a tough one. Um, all right, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to hang out and uh, with the with subscribers and talk to us, talk to them, leave us questions, leave us comments. Uh, we got a really good guest lined up for later this week. Uh, we'll, you know, fingers crossed that it doesn't fall through. If it does, I'm probably we be able to get him back. But um, uh, that that is planned for Thursday uh, we're looking at. So, um, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. But I just want to kind of tease that, Andy. Professional... Uh, professional work there on the podcast. I will see everybody tomorrow.